Why, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another fun and exciting and gruesome episode of Evil Man. I'm one of your co-hosts, Chris Locke, and with me, as always, is the fabulous... Michael Belazio. Uh, me, James. Which one of you is more fabulous? Well, that's because usually Mike goes second, but then when you said the more fabulous, I thought, oh, you must be talking about me. Yeah, there was some confusion <laughs> yeah. there. I think I'm not alone in saying that James is more fabulous than me. I'm kind of more of a cool, you know, I'm, I'm cool as a cucumber. That's what I'm sort of known for. Yeah. I picture evil men winning lots of awards at a giant podcast ceremony and we have to get out of limousines and we walk the <laughs> the red carpet and we have to take a lot of pictures and stop and smile and pose for lots of photographs for magazines and online blogs and you know what in my mind all three of us are looking really fabulous when this happens <laughs> i love that idea the three of us coming out of a limo at the canadian podcasting awards mm -hmm. maybe all three of us have gotten botox yes oh i would love that you know, we're looking mm -hmm. really good. We've all dyed our hair. Yeah, Maybe I have got... butt implants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've each got a couple of uh, sexy ladies hanging off our arms. You know what I mean? Oh, I would love two huge tattooed <laughs> ladies on either arm with a short hair just holding my arms and basically holding me up so my feet do that little Flintstone thing above the ground. <laughs> the three evil men hosts have just arrived at the Canadian Podcasting Awards. They've been carried out of a limousine by their female assistants and placed in their seats. <laughs> now you can tell by the way we move, baby, that we're fabulous. We're but evil it's, men. <clears throat> but it's the, the large, tall ladies walking with that sort of BG strut. Mm -hmm. To the music yeah. while we're yeah while our feet are dangling <laughs> above the ground, they're dragging us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this would be great. You know, I love using my imagination with you guys because that was so fabulous. <laughs> um, speaking of these these tough as nails but still sexy ladies, um, oh. I was reminded today of years ago doing some stand up shows. Uh, f like opening for burlesque shows around Toronto. It was during that time where burlesque was sort of having a renaissance and there were all these burlesque shows happening around and I, I for a few years, was opening at burlesque shows. Did you guys ever have, have that um, privilege? <clears throat> no, I've never seen a burlesque show even. It's, it's sort of like a body, like yeah. ladies with tassels <laughs> sort of thing. Do they tell jokes? They don't tell, at least the ones I was part of, they didn't tell jokes, but the their sort of uh, routines were humorous. Like, there was some sort of humorous thread to it. Uh, like, I don't know, someone would be... Uh, I like you know, imagining the, Mike in the crowd being like, this is humorous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't funny. <laughs> humorous and funny are quite different. Yeah, yeah but... It would be like someone, you know, dressed as a butterfly and then their wings fall off or, you know, that's not laugh out loud funny. It's humorous under the right circumstances, I guess. Would a giant boy come on stage and pluck the wings off the butterfly lady? Sometimes that kind of thing would happen. <laughs> it feel I uh, and oh, then sorry, that boy would grow up to be an evil man. Probably. <laughs> I obviously have not seen burlesque, so I might be wrong, but it feels like the butterfly thing would just be an excuse to 
for the audience to watch a lady in her underwear? I mean, the the, the premises, I'm not going to lie, the premises were very flimsy mm. uh, to allow for the, you know, the seductive dancing. But I will say that none of the performances were ever very good. And I do remember specifically one time, because they were very, like, hesitant performances. Like, people, they, they weren't very confident. And mm-hmm. Lord knows that my stand-up at the time was probably god-awful god as well. But mm-hmm. I remember specifically one time there was a... Uh, dancer doing her burlesque routine and they wear those those pasties the, the tassels and she danced and then a tassel fell off and her nipple was exposed and she just totally froze <laughs> like froze on the spot and like picked up a tassel and ran off stage and there was like dead silence in the crowd as if uh as if something terrible that was unforeseen happened a tassel fell off her nipple and she yeah. ran away like janet jackson yeah, like she was like mortified. Like, how could this possibly happen? <laughs> I bet you. Well, I definitely have done stand-up shows where burlesque was an element uh, on it, but it wasn't a full-on burlesque show where I had like joined. Uh, and also, don't forget some of the classic comedians like Lenny Bruce and and others uh, opened for uh, at strip clubs. Right? They would yeah. do a little jokes in between strippers. But I don't want to get the burlesque community mad. I know it's not stripping. And I definitely think, like what you were saying about the flimsy plot lines to how their clothing does get removed, I bet you there's burlesquers listening right now that are like, burlesque is actually not about getting down into our underwear. It's about the story of the character. And they have yeah. like really... Th- like, you know. No offense to our burlesque li- listeners. I've never seen it, no. so I'm ignorant. It's about a story about a young girl whose cat is stuck up a tree. That's what's actually <laughs> happening. Um, I wonder if there are burlesque dancers who uh, pour over Robert McKee's book story just to learn <laughs> how to make the best burlesque performance. They have diagrams that flower out showing the like the hero's journey uh, <laughs> in terms of a burlesque. I would, I would love to see a Christopher Nolan inspired burlesque where things oh, are going yeah. backwards. Yeah. It's all oh, out of time. You know, that's what, what I, mean? I mean. I bet you in Vegas, there's probably some seriously complex storylines, like maybe even sequels and trilogies of burlesque shows. <laughs> and they keep, you know, you'd, I'd love the idea of a, a young burlesque busting their mind open at their desk at night, late at night with candlelight writing in their book. But why does my my uh, character get its wings pulled off? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Stuff like yeah. that. Why Chris, does my character m- want to do this? Yeah. <clears throat> you mentioned uh, comedians used to open at strip clubs. That's, that's wild. Yeah. Imagine that's doing awesome. that now. You've never done that, though, have you? I performed at a strip club for a Christmas party here in Toronto. Wh- which one? Is it called Jilly's or it's in the East oh, End? I think. Yeah, I think they. I think they knocked that down. Jilly's is now ones. the. It's yeah, the Broadview Hotel. Then no, it wasn't Jilly's. It was still in the <clears throat> East End, though. Fillmore. Fillmore's. There. Yes, that's it. <laughs> and wow. coincidentally enough, when I arrived to do the show, an old high school uh, chum of mine was the uh, DJ there. Oh, hey. cool. When you were doing stand-up at Fillmore's, were there confused guys in the crowd being like, take it off? It was actually like a corporate more event. We were performing for the strippers. Oh, that's bar- kind of cool. And bartenders, like the staff and everything. Oh, strippers nice. sounds, I guess I should say erotic dancer. I don't know. I feel like hmm. strippers sounds harsh. Yeah. But but I appreciate them and I love what they do. So thank you very yeah. much and I don't mean any offense, but erotic dancers, uh, exotic dancers, however you want to put it. I think even mm. 
if I'm not mistaken, I, I remember hearing Jay Leno's interview on uh, Mark Marin, and he talked about in his early days in Boston mm. performing at strip clubs. Just imagine like a room full of horny men smoking, <laughs> yeah. and then suddenly they see a young Jay Leno come on stage. <laughs> all, all denim, denim jeans, denim shirt. Yeah, and he had a denim tassel hanging from his chin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe there is a current comedy show in Toronto or sometimes they do comedy shows at the Toronto Sex Club, right? Yes. Oh, nice. Let's yeah. do that. That's yeah, where I think that's maybe I where we should do a live evil men recording. That would be really wild. That would be taking it up a notch. Well, I feel like we have some comedian friends that we could ask about these sex clubs. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. we could get in there. Like I I I definitely have heard through the breeze <laughs> That we know people that have attended. Maybe we could ask them, you know, do you have a hookup for us to do yeah, a live Yeah, what's their podcasting podcasting? policy? You know what would be a shocking? <clears throat> so we're doing the this podcast at the sex club and and maybe mm-hmm. we think, you know, oh, Mike is, is um, you know, he's so well-dressed and he's very well-mannered. Like Chris and I are probably thinking, oh, Mike might uh, be uncomfortable, you know? And then we mm-hmm. get there and Mike's got his shirt off and he has two uh, clothespins over his nipples. What? And we go, oh yeah. my God, you were a freak all along. James, that would literally never probably happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what would, what would it be? Yeah, Mike like, has uh... so many nipple piercings. We're like, oh, Mike. <laughs> yeah, maybe Mike, we f- discover that Mike can't even get even slightly aroused unless there's a little bit of pain involved. <laughs> a whole like, lot of pain. Yeah. He needs a, yeah, a lot makes you really, a lot makes you explode, but even a little bit, yeah. you need, you didn't need a little bit to get going. Yeah. I could see that. I like pleasure spiked with pain, and music is my aeroplane. It's my aeroplane. To quote the great Anthony Kiedis. And you know what? I heard, I don't know, but I heard that's actually an underrated album because Dave Navarro is such a great guitarist. He added a a stronger oomph to that album than the Chili Peppers were used to. Right. I'm a Jane's Addiction guy. There was a guy in high school who his whole personality was like, I'm a Jane's Addiction fan, and he always wore a different <laughs> Jane's Addiction shirt, or he had like patches on his jean jacket, and he loved Jane's Addiction, mm-hmm. and he had red hair, and I remember getting confused and like it blowing my mind one day, because then I learned that he was Italian, and I was like, what? Italian people can have red hair? <laughs> <laughs> Was it not dyed because he was like a Lollapalooza Jane's Addiction freak? I don't think it was dyed. I think it, it was, was natural. I think it was natural. Yeah. And did it he have freckles? Totally, he did. So it totally he knocked me off balance. You know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So Mike, you never said anything to the Italian redhead Jane's Addiction guy. You never asked him for an explanation. <laughs> Explain yourself, sir. <laughs> I'm confused. I almost fell in this open manhole over here looking at your head. <laughs> I got dizzy and confused. You Whenever I'd cross him, I'd see him in the hallway and I'd just cross my arms and shake my head and go, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. You don't look like the classic godfatherian idea of an t- Italian that I have. Yeah. Well, I knew a blonde Italian. Is that okay? I don't know. A grown up, like what, you know, That's is that okay? That's perfectly fine. I like that. Yeah, mm. it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a bald man, and my background is French and mostly Scottish and English. 
And uh, I don't know. I've never been to Scotland. Uh, they usually have big red hair, right? Don't they? Yeah. They're all yeah. just... Yeah, if you, if you see a, a picture of Scotland from above... Uh, yeah. Like taken from an airplane, <laughs> just a bunch of like red waves. Like it's, you know, yeah, it looks like a field hair. of poppies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. I would love to go to Scotland and see if there's one other bald guy, or if that maybe that's the French side of me. I have no clue. I wonder can like can a twenty three and me test or like an ancestry dot com test. Determine what like what part of your ethnic makeup has that gene, like has the ball gene, or like the gene that gave you brown eyes, or like uh, the, your height, or whatever. Yes, or they your have a, dick. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ancestry dot com. You need to explain this dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it singles explain out the exact relative to me. It's yeah. Ancestry dot com is good for sing singling out the exact ancestor you need to blame for the rest of your life. <laughs> oh shit! I hate France now. <laughs> France sucks. Look at my dick. <laughs> France, you gave me this dick. By the way, just a quick aside. Um, average global penis size, um, according to a website called. E.T. inside. <clears throat> Any guesses on inches? The average global penis size? I got to assume this is erect. Hmm. And what's the name of the website again? E.T. E. inside? I don't... Okay. I don't know what that is. <laughs> is this like an alternate uh, idea if like E.T. didn't go home and he just went back inside? <laughs> yeah, and started a, e. a blog? It's news website. Where it's all... E.T. go back inside, start blog about penises. <laughs> All the news is from an ET's perspective. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to say worldwide, the average size of an erect uh, penis, nine inches. Oh, there we go. Mike's revealing something about himself. Yeah. Well, a- according to this, it's 5.5. Huh. Okay, I'll um, be right back. <laughs> <laughs> the most well-hung continent is South America. With an average of 6.3 inches. Oh, boy. Wow. Awesome. Um, Congratulations, well, guys. That's interesting. <clears throat> and it actually makes sense because when you see pictures of that that big Jesus statue in uh, Brazil, he's packing some heat. <laughs> Those right. guys down there are fans of uh, magic realism. Yeah. Well, because, you know, <laughs> Jesus was Middle Eastern, um, and I don't know where that fits in the penis spectrum, but yeah, the yeah. South American guys are doing it as though he was a South American guy, so they just gave him a huge, yeah, <clears throat> big wang. So what continent has the smallest penises per capita? Sorry, Mike, I cut you off, but this Not is Not at important. all. <clears throat> um, Northern Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, bud. According to E.T. Inside, the smallest is, I think it's at North Korea, which is odd. I don't know. That seems politically motivated. If you're 100%. Doing North Korea. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's, that's uh, according... propaganda, I think. Does it say North Korea, ha, ha, ha? <laughs> no. I could find a more, uh, a more um, reputable Imagine... looking website. Mm-hmm. Someone in North Korea, they somehow they they you know they jump through hoops to get access to the internet, and they're hiding their tablet, 
and there are guards around. If they get caught with this iPad, they could be executed. And the first thing they do is they go to ET inside to check which country. Oh, <laughs> I know, that's crap. a fanciful. Well, before we move on to our topic on this episode, we should mention that we have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash evilmen. And uh, if you sign up for $5 a month, you get bonus episodes. We've been doing at least one every two weeks or so. A lot of great episodes. We've got up a fun chat right now with Aaron Reed, who played Freddy Krueger on that infamous episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so check it out. If you're interested, check out the website. Get in there. Get your hands dirty. Yeah. Um, and if you can't do the Patreon, that's okay. Maybe you could rate and review us because they and say I- that helps. They say it helps, and James, I, th- I feel I have to be a bit more of a uh, you know a used car salesman here and okay. do the dirty work that you don't want to do. I'm going to go further than you. I'm going to say, even if you personally can't support evil men on Patreon, if you have uh, an elderly person in your life who maybe uh, doesn't pay attention to things the way they used to, if you can get a hold of their credit card information and sign them up to Patreon, you know, it's only $5 a month, they'll never notice it. It helps. It helps us, and in the it indirectly helps you because it helps us produce more content. Well, Mike, um, I think that's a bold suggestion, but I'm okay with it. Yeah, I guess. I guess Thank if you. you do, I mean, you are taking advantage of an old person in your life, but you're also helping us. Yes, and absolutely. We need basically, all the help we can get. So, yeah. <clears throat> Thank you, and thank you to everybody who's been signing up to Patreon. <laughs> um, it's been all so many people. It's been so nice. And now, a machine gun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Um, So, Chris, this week you came up with a topic for the episode, and I'm very excited to hear who it is. Okay, well, me too. Um, We're going back to the old, cold, damp Victorian era in uh, the UK. I'm going to talk about the Ratcliffe Highway murders and the evil man that we're focusing on this episode. His name is John Williams, and he was convicted of these murders. And before he could go on trial, he was found hanging in his prison cell. Now, the reason why I get that... I know, Epstein much? (laughs) And and the reason why I get that out of the way now is because I find the the mysterious murders more fascinating. Okay. He hung himself uh, in uh, December. This all happened. This is crazy. All these murders, it's two grisly, separate, heinous murders upon families spanning only 12 days apart in December of 1811. Uh, And this is, uh, Mike, we were talking about this earlier. You you know of the Ratcliffe Highway. It's now just called the Highway in the UK. It's in a very... At the time, like, yeah, we were talking about Oscar Wilde's The Picture of Dorian Gray. Like, this is all those authors. They talked about this stuff all the time. It was, like, the seediest, dirty neighborhood. They had, like, brothels. And, you know, they had... Um, you know, people would go there to kick the gong around if you catch my drift, which is what they used to call uh, smoking opium, like opium dance. Oh, I've never heard that. 
Yeah, well, Cab Calloway, who I'm a huge fan of, uh, sings about you know Minnie the Moocher and her friends kicking the gong around, etc. And wow. that's what they're referring to. Just a little, off, huh. you know, a little factoid there. But this is yeah, this is 1811, early era, and uh, by the docks where it's all sailors coming in and out of town. You know, East India Trading Company ships, all kinds of different ships at the time. Very popular in the uh, mythology of the creepiness of the Victorian era. <laughs> Damp, wet, dark alleys, all kinds of uh, seedy business. Dangerous. Sort of like, um, this sort of accent, you want a pile of five <laughs> shillings? Like that sort of vibe. Ton- tons of uh, yeah. semen, semen all over yeah. the place. Give us mm. a kiss, love. Do you want yeah. a spray tan? Come <laughs> on inside, love. <laughs> Even when heinous despicable murders weren't happening these guys were all getting wasted and punching each other in the face and yeah everybody had blood on their clothes back then so it was hard to investigate a crime but uh yeah so there's like uh how do you want me to you why don't you talk about your relationship with the the uh ratcliffe highway so I uh, my relationship with the Ratcliffe Highway murders, as you said, Chris, the, this the Ratcliffe Highway has uh, subsequently been renamed the Highway, and it's a it's a highway that uh, divides two neighborhoods in the East End of London, Shadwell, which is a, a area where I lived <laughs> for like about a year uh, a while ago, and the just south of it is Wapping, which connects to the uh, to the river. And I guess the Docklands would have been there. And yeah, that that yeah. area was known as a very seedy, crime-ridden area full of like transients and sailors and uh, I guess foreign foreigners, foreign tradesmen and stuff, and a lot of vice and uh, prostitution and murder and crime and, and just fighting and, and, uh, and dirtiness happened there. I think it was full of mud and it was very uh, impoverished. And uh, when I lived there... Uh, I believe I uh, there was a pub called the Prospect of Whitby that I would go to occasionally, where yes. also they had like a, a decorative noose outside the pub uh, to commemorate them hanging like a pirate or something. So a lot of, nice. a lot of the pubs you go to have, uh, or a lot of the areas there, the establishments have some connection to a heinous crime. I yeah. would love to try on that noose and see if it fits. Yeah, I do a bunch of drunks leave at night and go like, ha get up there, try on the noose. And people accidentally hang themselves just before going home. If you can swing in the noose for an hour, you get a free pint of beer. <laughs> you get a free bag of crisps. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, um, what it, oh, sorry, Mike, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to uh, conclude by saying, yeah, when I lived near the highway, uh, it had then been uh, pretty much... Um, regenerated <laughs> since 1811 and there were now things like McDonald's and uh, gas stations and stuff which mm-hmm. I guess didn't exist back in 1811. Want some Mickey D's, love? <laughs> yeah, I love the idea of old uh, seamen and shipmates getting into bloody brawls in a McDonald's over like McDoubles and Chicken McNuggets and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you got honey sauce all over my me slacks. <laughs> Yeah. Why do they stop using Ronald in the ads? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I'm going to give you a Big Mac right in the kisser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, I love hey. Look at the last serving the uh, French fries over at McDonald's. 
<laughs> just a bunch of bastards like flirting with a McDonald's employee, <laughs> like pirates. Well, yeah. So I love that you helped me paint the vision because, yeah, you guys can help me. As as you know, I'm I'm a very distracted person. I listened to a bunch of podcasts about this story. I listened. I read the Wikipedia. I watched a three part documentary series that I recommend. I'll give a shout out to all those guys at the end uh, about this exact murders. It's really fascinating, but there's a, a there's a lot of weird little conflicting information. So I'll, I'll just start by doing the two murders uh, one after another uh, so you get a picture of what this what was going on at this time. And it's we, we set up the story right. Uh, zoom in on, like you said, vice and danger and semen. And uh, and then I will tell you about the first attack, which took place Ooh. on December 7th, 1811. And it was a young family. It was the Marr family. And they had, they were... Tell uh, me Bill Marr. It wasn't Bill Marr. It was spelled M-A-R-R. So they're probably more Thank related God. to Mick Mars from Motley Crue. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't think Bill Maher would have lasted one second in this area at the time. Yeah. No, he's a tough guy. He's a it's good guy. It's too wet here. That's not a good Bill Maher. Yeah, yeah do a Bill <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't Bill Maher, he likes to smoke pot, but we don't know if he likes to smoke opium. So maybe mm. uh, he can let us know. Bill Maher, here's the thing. He couldn't handle his opium like the three of us could. There's no Hell frick- yeah. There's no freaking way. Um, so the Mar family were mercers. Um, they had like a clothing merchant sort of house, and <clears throat> Timothy Mar was the husband, and he had he had experience uh, as a he was in his early twenties. It was a very young family. He had experience uh, sailing with the East India Company, uh, and uh, but he he saved up, and at the age of twenty four, he started this uh, shop. In the in the heart of on Ratcliffe Highway there, and uh, he had a young wife Celia, a fourteen week old son Timothy, an apprentice James Gowan, and they had a servant girl there working for them named Margaret Jewell, huh. and they all lived there too. They worked there, they lived there, and they had all been living there since the April of that year, and uh, so yeah, they were. Uh, I don't know how to get into it, but like, okay, I'll just talk about the night. What happened was, and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't odd for shops to be out open late because of the hours everyone kept, you know, so just before midnight, Timothy asked Margaret Jewell, remember, she's the servant, to go out and get some oysters for his wife, who's obviously still, you know, she's a new mom, and he wanted to get her some oysters as a treat, but also another side (laughs) factor. As you do. Yeah. As you do. But, uh, but you will see another factoid at a side. I forget where I he- heard this. But oysters weren't the delicacy then at the time. They were like, yeah, right. here's some oysters, whatever. So they're right. like the, heard that. they were like the equivalent of today's McNuggets. They're just cheap, kind of <laughs> low-class food. for. It kind of makes sense. If, like, if you just look at an oyster, you're like, what the hell is this? You yeah. wouldn't think yeah. it's something fancy. Yeah, it's slime from the bottom of the sea. Mm. It, yeah. Hey, you go. Thank there you. you. <laughs> yeah. Eat your slime. Eat this. Right. I know it's disgusting, but it'll give you some uh, energy to sleep to get through the night. <laughs> I think 
<laughs> I would be surprised, Mike, if the uh, the oyster shop now is the McDonald's selling the McNuggets that you probably ate at least once. In that part of London, there. when you order McNuggets, you open the box and it's just this sort of slimy blob. <laughs> yeah. In, in yeah. you know, in honor of the history of oysters. Yeah, in and London McNuggets. Pearl, yeah. There's a pearl in the middle of the McNugget. <laughs> yeah. Is that from pearls are in oysters, right? Or are they in clams? Oysters, I think, right? Yeah, think? okay, good. Then what the fuck is this clam talking to me about? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck did I just find in this clam? That's what I want to know. Yeah, There's yeah, it's an oyster. Take it. <laughs> Got him again. <laughs> did this clam take a shit? What is this? Clam, I'm going to break you in half by pulling your mouth backwards. <laughs> um. So... Timothy asks, just before midnight, Margaret to go out and get these whatever cheap-ass oysters that nobody gives a shit about uh, <laughs> as a treat for his wife, mm-hmm. and also to settle a bread bill at a bakery. They had an out- <laughs> outstanding bread bill. So, yep. so he's sending out a, <clears throat> a single f- young female at midnight to go pay a bill for bread and get some oysters in a very dangerous neighborhood, just to set the scene. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a feeling that everybody that lives here is a tough cookie. Right. Because actually what you're setting up is not what happens. What happens is she goes to the oyster shop. They're closed. Too bad. Ah. She goes to the bread bakery thing. I'm pretty sure. I can't remember. I think she settles the bill and goes to another shop to try and find oysters just to double check again. (laughs) Anyways, they're closed too. Damn it. So she actually comes home empty handed. But when she comes home, the door is locked, and the house is still dark, deathly quiet, <clears throat> as if the, the Mar family were not doing anything. Like, the door's locked. Did they forget they sent her out? She starts banging on the door. She hears the cry of baby Timothy. That's about oh. it. And then oh. the crying stops. She's banging on the door, banging on the door. Now she's starting to freak out, because you're right, it is a bad neighborhood, and it's cold, and she's like, get me in. Let yeah. me in. Like, what the Open hell Open this bleeping these door, they... you big stinky bleep. You know, that she kind of actually, thing. She actually, yeah, you bleep, you bloody bleeper. <laughs> and uh, no one comes. So now she's kind of looking like a crazy woman banging on the door. She wants to get into where she lives. She wants to know what's going on. Red flag. And uh, yeah. I know. And uh, okay, let me just find his name because he's got a good name. Uh, she knocked so hard she drew attention to herself from George Orley, a night watchman. So back then they had night watchmen who walked around because no one had clocks or watches, right, or cell phones. So they'd be like, you know, midnight, all is well. Well, you know, as well as could be. (laughs) We live in hell. (laughs) We live in fucking hell. (laughs) Midnight, we live in hell. (laughs) <laughs> but now he starts banging on the door like jesus christ what the open up and they got a next door neighbor named john murray who's a pawnbroker and acquaintance of the family and he he uh starts panicking jumps over the wall of his backyard sees that a light is on the back on in the back and the door is left wide open so he runs up and goes hey mar family mar you, you your shutters are closed but they're not locked or something like that you know and uh Nothing, nothing. Quiet, still as a goddamn cockney mouse, you know? What the hell? Then he goes down, he starts going to the front, and that's when he sees, <laughs> and it gets gruesome here, but 
I believe this is coming out just before Halloween, so it's a nice creepy one. He sees a fuck ton of carnage, dude. <laughs> wow. It oh, is no. brutal. So, Mike, you were thinking something might happen to uh, the servant. Uh, well, yeah. Jewel. No. The whole family, man. The first person he sees. And here I wrote a quote down that I read. Um, this is from the report in the paper. The narrow premises was so floated with gore that it was hardly possible to escape the pollution of blood in picking out a path to the front door. Wow. This is what John Murray stumbled upon. First he saw... Yeah. I'm just going to say that that sounds like, you know, the lyrics from an Eminem song or something (laughs) like that. It's so extremely violent. The narrow premises, so floated with gore that it was certainly impossible <laughs> to escape the pollution of blood in picking out a path to the front door. <laughs> Be quiet, Haley. <laughs> of course, this all happened years before Eminem was was uh, around. Actually, I don't know about that, Mike, but we'll 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 get our fact checker on that after the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently Eminem, when asked if he would have a time machine. <laughs> if he would go back and kill Hitler, he said, No, yo, I wouldn't go back and kill Hitler. I'd go back to the Victorian era docks and smoke opium and kill people. <laughs> I'd solve the murder from, uh, yeah, I'd, sol- I'd solve, the, solve the John Williams murders. Yeah, I shouldn't insinuate he would kill people. He'd probably be more interested in solving the murder. But oh my God, like, fuck, like, God. I don't know. I'm going by memory now, but like, he first stumbles upon. Do you want me to get into this? Well, the thing is, is like, Basically, uh, their heads are bashed in, okay? Okay. Oh, God. To the point where it's, like, unrecognizable. Yikes. There's blood mm. and brains up and over the wall, even onto the ceiling. Ugh. Okay? What the hell does he and- think this is? A rage room? <laughs> <laughs> they should make rage rooms with, peop- with uh, expendable people. people inside. <laughs> Uh, the worst part of this whole story is, in my opinion, he goes upstairs and, uh, yeah. Remember when the, Timothy Jr. was, uh, crying yeah. for a sec and then it yeah, stopped? Is he, is he okay? Was he spared? Okay, I'll put it this way. <laughs> Let's Doesn't pretend sound good. I'm not talking about Timothy Jr. anymore. Okay. Let's pretend I'm talking about a stuffed animal. Like okay, <laughs> what's your favorite stuffed animal? Um. Well, as a kid, I liked. I had a uh, moshi shi. Those little, um, those little furry monkeys. I know exactly what you mean. You 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 squeeze their. Uh... Okay. So let's say you found your moshi shi with the throat cut so <laughs> deep that it was practically oh. decapitated. God. And I'm just, I'm just talking about a moshi shi now. <clears throat> oh, okay, okay. All You're right. just talking about a moshi shi. All right. I'm talking about Mike's toy. Okay. I'd buy a okay. new one. You know, that's what I'd do. You made it palatable and even fun. Good, good yeah. on you, Chris. Wouldn't have thought it was possible. <laughs> but that's so pretty harsh. So there's, it's, um, it's incredibly horrific. Yeah. Uh, devastating. Yeah. So the 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 husband, the wife, the uh, the the assistant. And the newborn child. It's a bloody gore fest. It's really frightening and terrifying. Mm. There's conflicting ideas of, you know, there's apparently two sets of footprints out the back. People heard men running down the alleyway earlier. Um, 
you know, there's a, there's a there's a bloody hammer or what they also call a maul, which I looked up, which is neat. It's like a war hammer. It's like a long hammer, a sledgehammer with a spike. That was found there with blood and hair all over it. Hmm. And uh yeah, so everybody's freaking out. And uh I mean, that's <clears throat> quite a you know, murder, I mean, it's not, if you just wanted to steal some pearls or something, you wouldn't kill everybody and the damn kid, too. So this is... Guess uh, what? Okay. Nothing was stolen. All right. So it's like a, a, a Victorian psychopath. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe we're talking about John Williams. Maybe we're talking about something else. It now, gets can interesting. I just, mm-hmm. Can I just say something here, Chris? When I lived in this yeah. part of East London... Uh, this kind of thing didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And also, we were talking about this earlier. As you know, the UK at the time, the London in general, didn't actually have a police force. It was really? very sloppy. Basically, crimes were solved by the words of character witnesses. Um, the, the docks had a miniature police force that would basically you know, check to see if people are stealing from the ships, etc. Um, other investigators of murders and deaths would be like the magistrate of coroner, uh, stuff like that. So it was pretty, and like you had night watchmen, like only yeah. 18 years later was when they actually made the first, apparently, uh, police force. So I didn't know Oh yeah, this, the Thames I, I, River Police is who I'm talking about. Um, I I didn't know this either, that there was no official police force, uh, but there were, yeah, there was like a voluntary group known Very libertarian. The Bow Street Runners, they were known as, and they were just a bunch of guys, almost like the Guardian Angels in New York City, just a bunch of nerds who (laughs) patrol the streets and (laughs) try and stop crimes, I guess. Wow. Yeah. Do you think we, if if we lived in a lawless, policeless society, do you think... We'd have the balls to sign up for one of these crews that would go around looking for crime. I think I would. Yeah, I, I definitely. I see myself. But you're mostly concerned about like um, copyright law and illegal yes. downloading, Mike. IP. So you'd focus on that. Yeah. Hey, is that an official Spider-Man backpack you're wearing, <laughs> child? Uh, let me. See. I feel like if a vigilante justice group got rounded up and asked me to be a part of it, I'd be the guy that would like bring the snacks. <laughs> Or keep talking about when we find the guy, should we should go here for beers and a burger. <laughs> when we find the guy, should we go get a beer or something? Oh, <laughs> apparently where the guy is hiding in the woods, the best roti joint is near there. <laughs> we should get a tikka masala roti and a mango lassi. Um, I, I'm... Yeah, I I didn't have a lot of time to write every note down, so I'm kind of also yeah yeah. But we so there's this one horrific murder in London. Yeah, seemingly it, no motive. Um, it scared the shit out of everybody because it was so yeah. heinous. It seemed uh, motiveless, unmotivated. Uh, nothing was like, stolen. Yeah, nothing was stolen. They did find a chisel there, but it was clean. Um, in, yeah. So in the bedroom that is where they found the heavy, long handled shipwright's hammer or maul as i said covered with blood leaning against a chair and that's the bedroom where mm, you know the baby was found so the fact that the murder weapon was there uh you know 
that means that that's where it ended probably i feel like maybe when uh what's her name jewel uh what's her full name i feel like the uh, the 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 woman who got sent out yeah margaret jewel i feel like when she started banging on the door maybe there could have been a robbery about to happen and and but the the person got spooked and ran out the back um this might be a dumb question but did, this might be a dumb question, but no one, no one suspected the baby in all this. If they found the <laughs> found the weapon in the baby's room, like it could have right. been a murder suicide. I, you're totally right. It could have been a murder suicide. <laughs> but but you got to remember, this is the Victorian era. Like we said, it kids was grew so up faster back, back then. They yeah, had jobs kids, at five. Yeah, definitely grew up fast. Yeah, this is the Dickensian era where they, you know. Uh, David Copperfield <laughs> would walk barefoot for 30 miles just to visit an ant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Or something>. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, I think it's shoddy detective work. You're right. They didn't, they, they basically didn't have detectives yet. It's right. pretty bizarre. Yeah, that's why the baby they just had like, they just had, you know, people that were hysterical and and you know people also speculated that it could have been revenge motivated but uh right. they didn't understand it was just okay. frightening he ripped me off he scared. sold me drapes for too much money i'm gonna murder everybody in the shop <laughs> yeah so hey, so we've got yeah. this so we've got this one murder um so i'm so this happened again so yeah, but I'll just say I just want to oh, uh, I just want to like wrap up this crime scene. So two sets of footprints were discovered in the back of the shop. These appeared to belong to the killers, as they contained both blood and sawdust from carpentry work done inside earlier that day. So remember, there was carpentry work done earlier that side inside that day. Hmm. Um. Oh my God! You know what? We hung up this like seven foot ghost on our balcony that blows back and forth in the wind, and it just scared the shit. Out of <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about these heinous murders of the of a plastic ghost is fucking scaring the crap out of me. As though Does it have John a Williams's ghost yeah. is coming to kill you because you're doing a podcast revealing his history. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Here's another thing. This is another interesting aspect of this story that I I, I latched onto, and and especially like we're talking about how kind of pathetic crime solving was back then mm. a you gotta remember too like uh they would just take sailors in especially sailors <clears throat> were that were not from the uk so they'd round up like i don't know three greek guys and be like <laughs> we don't like the looks of you were you the murderers you know what i mean yeah. so like a lot of that kind of stuff was happening right. just rounding up like seamen that have had gone to the so, port for a little bit so people were, but everybody kind of ultimately had alibis that, that could get them out of it. But people who uh, were sort of um, hostile to immigrants, they sort of used this as an excuse to be racist. Luckily, that kind of thing no longer happens. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I wouldn't be surprised if back then and even to this day now, yes, uh, certain immigrants are used as patsies or fall right. guys for other people's crimes. Definitely, mm. that seemed like that was happening the chisel that was found there was no blood uh i'll just talk yeah i'll just jump to the second attack so then everybody's but, spooked everybody's creeped out there's no real like uh you know someone's i think they kind of said maybe it's like a 
people are offering rewards. People are saying maybe it's revenge. People start relaxing. They're like, yeah, maybe it was revenge or something. Uh, it's it's personal, so we don't have to fear about some psycho killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twelve days later, still in December, the 19th of 1811, uh, there's a pub called the King's Arm uh, in New Gravel Lane. Did you ever have a pint there, Mike? Or some chips with curry? I, I never made it to that one. Uh, I think I went to one called The Rose, and uh, there was that uh, that one called The Prospect of Whitby, but yeah, not that one. While we're on the subject, did you ever cross the moors on a dark and foggy night and hear the howling of a werewolf by any chance? Um, yeah, to get to my uh, tube station, I had to cross that every morning. <laughs> it's quite a walk. <laughs> yeah. There's just wow. some moors in the middle of the city. <laughs> they were so far that Mike had to leave in the middle of the night. There's the Thames for eight hours. The River. Yeah, there's the Thames River, the port, and then uh, the moors, and then like yeah. McDonald's and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um... So, yeah, what was I talking about? Okay, so in the the King's Pub, the second attack, like everybody, all the shipmen went there a lot and, uh, you know, lots of drinking and brawling and all that kind of like hooting and hollering of like... I'm I'm picturing the guys from Straw Dogs, the original Straw Dogs with Dustin mm-hmm. Hoffman, you know, those those worker men who were all rough and tough and huge and muscular who intimidated Dustin Hoffman. I'm picturing those kind of guys drinking in this pub. Well, I'm picturing the guys from the Full Monty. So for me, it's actually great. <laughs> <clears throat> you got Mark Addy, you got the guy from Train Spotting, Robert Carlyle. Yeah. Right? You think there's an old guy in there too from Waking Ned Divine? Is Robbie Coltrane in that, or am I thinking of a different movie? I don't know, but either way, they're all having fun. They're in the pub. They're, they're talking about should they do this naked photo shoot or whatever the hell that movie was about. Anyway, I picture the pub from uh, with all the sailors in it from Airplane, the movie <laughs> when they dance to Staying Alive. <laughs> um. Another thing I wanted to mention about the shoddy policemanship or investigative detective, whatever, they clean the mall off, the the hammer. So eventually after the crime, they cleaned the mall off, all the blood and the hair that was on it. They cleaned it off. So it wasn't like, you know, this is like 80 years or so even before fingerprints were starting to be used. You know what I mean? Like right. they didn't think anything about, ah, it's time... Let's clean up these dirty murder weapons. You know what I mean? They, <laughs> the they judge no gets eye. mad when they're messy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so they clean up this giant hammer, and there's a uh, initials in it, IP, or it could be a JP. And they and the, and those who are working on the case, they they they're trying to trace the owner of this hammer now. Okay. So that was one clue that they had from the first attack. Okay. Interesting. So, the same night the initials were discovered on the mall, 12 days after the terrible Marr family killings, the second set of murders occurred at the King's Arm, which is like uh, a tavern on New Gravel Lane. And the victims there were John Williamson, a publican, which is, I just learned, that's what, if you ran a, managed a pub, you were called a publican. Oh, that's funny. Um, his wife, Elizabeth, was also murdered, and a servant, Bridget Anna Harrington, huh. was murdered. And kind of in a similar fashion, uh, they were their throats were slit, 
I forgot to mention, like, the heads weren't just bashed in and the Meyer family has, they also were had slit throats. The thro- throats were slit pretty deep. Well, I mentioned Timothy Jr. Anyways. Or your Monshishi, I should say. And their heads were also bashed in. Like, Jesus Christ. People back then were just like, they thought heads were like freaking jack-o'-lanterns. <laughs> they didn't care at all about people's heads, did they? Just bash them right in. So they found this. But here, I, I hate to say it, but there's a comical aspect to how this murder was uh, discovered. A lodger who was staying at the King's Arm, a journeyman named John Turner, and yes, for the listeners, everyone back then was named John. So it does get confusing. <laughs> it's insane. Everybody is literally like John Williamson, John Turner, John Murray, John Murphy, John John Lennon, Williams. John McCartney, John Go Star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah john coogan Um, coogan melon camp (laughs) yeah john uh people hear the cry murder murder and they say this (laughs) they're like all house there's a murder in it anyways and he's this man John Mur- uh, John Turner, Jesus Christ. John Murder. Is climbing out of the window. <laughs> John Murder. <laughs> Why, well, look, it's John Murder. What's he yelling? Turner. Turner. <laughs> Get him. <laughs> My name is goddamn John Turner. Murder. <laughs> the fuck? He's climbing so out of his hear- window using knotted up sheets to oh. escape, and he and he's half naked with a, uh, a you know like one of those old nighting gowns that they used to wear, <laughs> blowing yep. in the breeze. So everybody's like, "Holy crap! Look, there's been a murder, and also his bum and dinky." You know what I mean? <laughs> so so he's climbing out, and and sure enough, of course, they go in and discover. Um, you know, all these busted heads, bleeding throats, oh cut, blood everywhere again. There's an iron crowbar this time lying by the side of John Williamson, the uh, publican who's face down on his steps. And uh, and uh, there's other, like, there's evidence of uh, them trying to protect themselves, kind of like the, o- the OJ murder trial where you can see, like, their hands have been sliced open, mm-hmm. skulls smashed, throats cut. Um. Yeah. Um, now, can I say when you yeah. describe the the comical scene of the guy half naked, you know, crawling out the window with bed sheets, it reminds me of something out of like a fun episode. I grew up watching like the Benny Hill show. It was yeah. on late at night. But then when you describe the horrific murder scene inside, mm-hmm. it it didn't remind me of the Benny Hill show. It sort of changed. Uh, it took on a different sort of vibe. And isn't that life, though, too? Like, you laugh one moment, and then you recoil in horror the next? It's mm-hmm. such a uh, teeter-totter life is. Yeah. I know. Good point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. You're totally right. Thank Guess you. what? This is kind of interesting. Uh, a f- John Williamson's 14-year-old granddaughter, Catherine Stilwell, also known as Kitty, she was in her bed, alive. She slept through the whole goddamn thing. What the hell? Okay. That's like me. I can sleep through anything. (laughs) 
<laughs> ask anyone. Ask my girlfriend. I'll sleep through an alarm, anything. James, Except we were for all... last night when you were coughing. Well, that's true. <laughs> I, I struggled last night. James, we were all brutally murdered and screaming, and you slept through the whole <laughs> darn thing. I'm here's, sorry. Here's my impression of a murder at James's house. Murder! Murder! Here's James. Yep. <laughs> Snoring yep. like Big Bird. Yeah. Well, anyways, I, I feel like I, I'm really drawing it out. We, we should probably speed it up but these two major heinous murders and there and there's all right. kinds of conflicting evidence of like some people say they saw a real someone came out and was like hey there's a real tall creepy person in a long coat i saw someone like that and other people say oh there was like a um a tall guy uh and then another guy a short guy with a limp running down the alleyway i saw that and all this stuff um so it's like there's no evidence and everybody's kind of like freaking out and they don't know what the hell's going on and fear is everywhere. Another thing I want to say about this weird time that we're talking about where death and murder uh, are not treated like how they are in these modern times. Another thing that happened was with the bashed in faces and the slit throats and everything, (laughs) the public would go in the houses and tour and look at these bodies. Oh, really? Yeah, because here's an interesting, another factoid. You would go in, look at the heinous crime scene, see the bodies go, egad, or my gosh, you know, a golly gee. And then you would leave money, and sometimes the money that you would leave for touring through the house and looking at the recent crime scene went towards the funerals of the bodies. Wow. wow. That Isn't would that suck if, up? If, if you're, you know, someone you someone in your family got murdered and you're like, ugh. Guess we got to do the whole thing where people come in and, you know, get their jollies looking at everything. But Who's working know. the door? Yeah, we got to make <laughs> yeah. egg salad sandwiches and tuna sandwiches for your all. <laughs> Triangle sandwiches for everybody to look at my yeah. uh, Money's money. Face. Money's um, money. I don't know what you're doing on Friday, but uh, I've liked you for quite a while. And uh, would you like <laughs> to go to that murder house with me as my date? <laughs> yeah. It's the, pretty you know, A lot of the blood will be dried by then, but there might still be some uh, guts. Uh. <laughs> so uh, there's a morbid. There's a lot. Yeah. Oh, sorry. What were you saying, Mike? Well, it's just very, very morbid. Yeah. Yeah. It's creepy, right? Could you imagine? <clears throat> they didn't like have TV eating? or the internet. They weren't looking at you know rotten dot com. <laughs> they got to do what they can. I know. We're so used to seeing. Yeah, it's so easy to just Google. You know, heinous head trauma <laughs> but could you imagine eating a crisp samosa like above a, a murdered face i'd lose no. my appetite i'm gonna be perfectly honest yeah, i know and then signing a guest book <laughs> james toronto had a great time the body was disgusting thank you yeah it's the would newest- pop on by for another pint if asked <laughs> get your selfies with the smashed in head <laughs> Grossest murder I've seen so far. One, ten out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> Would see again. <laughs> Stay after the credits for a special scene. <laughs> I'm doing a real chunked up version of this story. By the way, we're having fun, but that's what Evil Men is all about, isn't it? We're, we chunk it up, but it, yeah. I will. I, I do want to give the sources of what I've listened to. So. 
uh, at the end because I really did appreciate like uh, some of these other things I watched. <clears throat> but yeah. the principal suspect became this guy John Williams, who was the evil man topic of. Oh. Uh, of the episode, he it was. It would be a such a curveball if it turned out he didn't do it, and then you're going to say all the other reasons why John Williams is an evil man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turns out he didn't do it, but uh, he did. Like you said, bootleg some DVDs. <laughs> he bootlegged a lot of Honoré de Balzac novels at the time. I don't even know if that matches up time wise, but. He was a 27-year-old Irish or Scottish seaman. Nobody gave a shit. So did he eat uh, Macintosh toffee or did he <laughs> <laughs> did he drink a pint of Guinness? We will never know. But he was a lodger at this place called The Pear Tree. There's also a really good book about this, uh, the, the Pear Tree something, something. I'll talk about that later. But uh, yeah, it's a public house on Cinnamon Street off the highway in Old Wapping, which you mentioned, Mike. And uh, William's roommate had noticed uh, he returned after midnight on the night of the tavern murders. And uh, they described him as a man of middle stature, slenderly built, rather thin but wiry, wiry, tolerably muscular, and clear of all superfluous flesh. What the fuck does that mean? Like... We're dealing so with the got... skinny guy here, I think. Yeah, he's yeah that's skinny a really guy. He doesn't have like those flabby arms skinny. hanging down. He doesn't have skin <clears throat> tags. Yeah. <laughs> Some guys have, you know, flesh all over the place. Not him. Yeah. He's just got the flesh he needs. Yeah. My flesh is very perfunctory. I put it on and I go. <laughs> I'm a simple um, guy. I just take the flesh I need and I go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What time is it? I need to get my flesh back to bed. <laughs> Uh, I'm reading this description of him for the first time. His hair was of the most extraordinary and vivid color. Viz, Ooh. a bright yellow, something between an orange and a yellow color. So, could have been Italian, eh, Mike? Could have been Italian. Um, yeah, you never very, know. Yeah, but, very possible. Yeah, they think he was Irish or Scottish seaman. Um, so, f- they say, you know, everybody's saying, he was a tall man. He's very, I've seen a tall... Cre- and he's only 5'9", which I'm 5'8", and they're like, he's too short, and now I feel really insulted. How tall are you guys, <laughs> by the way? I feel like James is the tallest out of us. I'm a 5'8". Ah. You know, it's interesting, Mike. I would have guessed I would have guessed higher. I'm 5'11", but... I'm a 5'9er. <laughs> Mike, you... Whoa, well, wait a second. Something's up. I'm so I'm an inch shorter than you, Mike? Yes. How tall are you, James? <laughs> 5'11". Yeah. Okay. But people often guess I'm shorter than I am, and I would have thought Mike was taller than he said, so I don't know. Maybe it's something to do with confidence or posture. I think people, yeah, I think people think you're shorter because you're meek and you always say, after you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Uh Here's some connections. Williams had nursed a grievance against Marr from when oh. he found out they were shipmates. But the subsequent oh. murder, the, the King's Arm That's one... That's quite a grievance a- to kill his whole family. Yeah, exactly. The King's Arms remain unexplained. But I think, and I've told you, I've heard a lot of stories about this recently. I think that he was a regular there. He was a regular. He'd get into fights there. So he's familiar with the place. Yeah. Yeah. And they did find blood on his clothes, Hmm. which, and his shirt was stretched, which he Hmm. claimed, which he claimed was from a fight the night before. But there was a lot of this stuff that couldn't be backed up. 
Mm. Um, he we're also dealing with had a, a kind of um, we're dealing with a kind of Conor McGregor type of like uh, you know wild you know uh, mercurial guy who has like a hair trigger temper kind yeah, of thing. It actually and it was worth tens of like millions of dollars. <laughs> Yeah, like there's been rumors that people that worked with him on ships were like, he should be hanged as soon as he gets to shore because of his behavior on the ships and all this oh. kind of stuff. So there was a lot of like, yeah, stories about his anger and his bad temperament and his kind of cruelness was out there, definitely. And he just got arrested and he went to prison and uh, for it. And before he could go on trial, uh, the next night um, they found him hanging by a long handkerchief that he had with him. He wrapped it around a pipe in his cell and hung himself, and he was dead, or Whoa. apparently hung himself. And they took this up in the court, and they, of course that just insinuated guilt, and so never, nobody ever uh, huh. thought of it since then. But did Williams do this all by himself it's quite even the, and then and there were jokes in the court too and that were, someone uh, said uh, i forget who it was like some sort of magistrate or something said oh uh when are we going to finally allow the inmates to ha- bring pistols and razors into into the into the <laughs> prison cells with them eh cuz they, they thought it was so stupid that they let him have a handkerchief to hang himself Wow. But basically, the public was satisfied that that proved his guilt. And I will say, from all those things that I've read, the murders never happened again after he killed himself. (laughs) Those specific murders never happened again. (laughs) 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 That's a a really bad lawyer's argument. Well, I Um, mean, these giant, heinous, head-bashing, throat-slitting, razors-slitting throats and hammers-bashing brains, they never happened again. So that kind of seems... Like, like he was the he was the killer. So mm. is this sort of can? Well, I will say quickly, I don't agree with what John Williams did, but the guy is classy. Hanging yourself mm. with a handkerchief—that <laughs> is madman, you know. Jeeves and Wooster, like, very stylish. So they were happy. The public was satisfied that they had their killer, John Williams, and what they did next was. They, they they took his dead body out into the public, into the streets of this area that mm-hmm. we're talking about. Um, yeah. And uh, Wapping and all that. What's it called? They took Whopping. his body out to, yeah, to the Ratcliffe Highway area. Mm-hmm. Wapping. And, and uh, paraded it around on a, on a plank that was put up kind of sideways. So he was on a slant. Hmm. And... Uh, and he had a lot of marks on his neck, obviously, from hanging. And they took the, the murder weapons and they placed it around him on the plank. Like the okay. the, the uh, crowbar was by his head and the mm. chisel and the maul were like beside him, almost like decorative. Like when you buy a G.I. Joe and he comes with his own weapons. <laughs> <laughs> and they parade him around. They actually, like guys lifted him up and made his dead eyes glance at the mar. Um, you know, mercantile place or whatever it was. Yeah. And uh, they parade him around and then they dig a hole in the middle like of this intersection down there and they place him in it. But before they place him in it, they literally put a stake through his heart. Wow. Like 1811? Were you that superstitious? Like, what wow. is that? Like, is he a vampire? Do you think he's going to come back to life? But anyways, they did that and they buried him and dust their hands off and wipe their hands off and that's that 
And can I, I say was, that that yeah. uh, unlike a lot of other stuff you've mentioned this episode, they did do that when I lived in that section of London. <laughs> really? Yeah. Put yeah. a stake through a dead guy and bury him in front yeah. of the pub. At least once <laughs> a week, they were burying a suspected Irishman uh, in the yeah, in the middle of the road near a pub. <laughs> it sounds yeah. like John John Williams was subject to the original canceling. Oh yeah, he got canceled he was hard. Canceled. He got canceled hard by this. <laughs> seedy area of the by the port yeah and 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 it's funny because about i can't remember i'm gonna guess it was like 80 years later or something uh the rumors of it uh about his body being there buried there people were like really or maybe it was even the 1900s i can't remember but a kitty corner to like on one of the corners there was a pub called the crown and dolphin the crown and dolphin which i also wanted to um bring up because like what the fuck are you talking about crown and dolphin that's a that's bizarre you name your pub i don't want to yeah, like you don't want dolphin like dolphin imagery in a pub is feels like <laughs> you're gonna serve dolphin in the pub yeah i actually picture like a huge crown and a dolphin is jumping through it at like sea world <laughs> <laughs> but anyways <laughs> they they did uh someone was excavating the the road for work and they did dig up john williams's body and someone took his arm for something I forget, but the one that's most memorable is the owner of the Crown and Dolphin Pub took his skull, and it was on display for a long time, for years wow. in his pub, so you can go and have a pint and look at like a murderer's skull. Wow, that's that's also pretty uh, macabre, but it, I guess it creates a certain type of atmosphere in your pub. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. here's to you, you shit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then pour the shot through his eye and then drink it out his nose. <laughs> yeah, let's do bong hits. Um, <laughs> Would you My, go uh, yeah. like, um, like if we went to, if we went to like a local pub here in Toronto, like maybe a Jack Astor's or a, you know, a Firkin pub and they had a dead, uh, dead murderer's skull on the bar. That'd be actually yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. We should start that here in Canada. We don't do that enough. No, but yeah, the today the Crown and Dolphin is the facade of the pub is still there, but it's turned into like condos or apartments, <laughs> and, the, and the skull is long gone. Now, before I wrap it up, um, clearly, like John Williams hanging himself seems like it was this uh, a psychotic <clears throat> sailor with an ill temper. Yeah, probably had revenge against Timothy Marr. Probably had the idea of robbing the king's arms pub and killing those people too seems like each heinous murder happened and then he was disrupted like uh john turner climbing out the window half naked with his butt in the breeze going murder murder probably didn't get around to robbing either of these places also margaret jewel banging on the door at the mar place so there was never any robbery it was just heinous head bashing throat slitting disgusting brain and blood murder hair everywhere but never any robbing so i'm just going to introduce you to two other characters all of a sudden that were suspected maybe a bit after or maybe a bit before but were let go two men named cornelius hart and another named william long billy a blast uh Hart, I'm not I didn't write notes about these guys, so I'm just gonna say the Wikipedia description. Hart, who had done carpentry work at the Mars shop on the day of the murders, claimed to have lost a chisel. Remember I mentioned the clean chisels 
there、mm-hmm. and made several inquiries about its whereabouts to Mar. Jewel testified that Mar searched his shop that night but could find no trace of it. When Harriet had visited the shop on the morning after the mur- murders, I don't fucking know who Harriet is. Oh, that's someone else. He found the chisel placed in a prominent position and removed it as evidence. Hart always denied any particular dealings with Williams, although our other witnesses provided a link between the two. Following Williams' arrest, Hart inquired at the pear tree, remember the, the housing, the boarding house where Williams was staying,、mm-hmm. uh, whether Williams was being retained in custody. He asked that. Is Williams,、uh, they got him or.、Uh, <laughs> And Ablas was a seaman who had sailed with Williams aboard Roxburgh Castle. He had a history of aggressive behavior and had been involved in the unsuccessful mutiny aboard the ship and was placed in confinement afterwards, while Williams was thought to have simply been led astray by his shipmates. Ablas was drinking in company with Williams at the King's Arm on the night of the murders. And was a fair, better match for Turner's description of the killer, right? Because he was a tall guy.、Uh, he was also lame, matching. Remember, someone said a guy with a limp ran down the alleyway. Remember, I mentioned that? Yeah, yeah.、Uh, matching the earlier eyewitness description of the men running up the highway after the first murders, and was any, unable to account for some of his time on the nights of both murders. He was detained as a sp- suspect. When evidence emerged that Mar, Williams, and a blast had all served together. As seaman before Mar went into business on his own, it was suggested that there were links and possibly old scores to settle between the three. So, what I'm getting、hmm. at, boys, is I think we could be talking about three evil men here because other evidence against Williams came up weeks after the crimes, after he had killed himself. Then they found like bloody knives in his jacket and stuff like that, you know,、hmm. kind of conveniently, right? So,、right. what I posit is to kill that many that heinously so fast, I think it could have been these three guys together. And Williams took the fall, and maybe even someone helped have him killed. And I also, this is me、right. being like a conspiracy,、uh, my own paranoid ver- version of myself. I always get this weird idea of how. Creepy, the arm of the East India Company goes. You ne- it always seems like there's weird stuff connected to that. I have no idea, but like to, to, to be connected to kill somebody in prison, how would that happen? I don't know.、Hmm. So, those are my weird theories based on what I've read so far and heard.、Nice. Very interesting. Sorry, that's a lot of gobbledygook, but I hope you enjoy no, it. No, very it interesting. Makes me- Makes me want to trust、uh, sailors and seamen and all those who make their living on, on you know, the, the water.、Uh, it makes me want to trust them all even less than I currently do. <laughs> you're, you're notoriously anti sailor, Mike, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well known. Well known fact. So,、um, yeah. very good,、wow. Chris. Very interesting info. Mike, did you have anything to add, or I was going to pull out the evil meter, but. Um, just before you pull out the, the evil meter, I just want to say、uh, a great job, Chris. And it makes me really、uh, feel grateful that none of, you know, that when, when I lived in this area of London, this stuff didn't happen and I、yes. wasn't the victim of any of these, you know,、uh, you know madmen who had just, you know, pulled in、uh, at the docks. You're so lucky you narrowly escaped that by 200 years or so. Yeah. Yeah. That is creepy. You're lucky because you were a, close. You were as close an outsider coming to England, you could have been blamed for murders and then、yeah. killed and, or you know, hung in jail and paraded around the street. 
Absolutely. I would have hated that, and it would have been hard to explain to my mom, you know? <laughs> Sorry I brought that up. It's not no, fair. That's I'm dropping a lot of real shit. But I feel yeah. like... I feel like for this episode too. This is the we did the Freddy Krueger episode, but this one's coming out right before Halloween. I thought, let me just say some real heinous, scary shit. And it is genuinely just... a scary tale. It is, yeah. And can I just say now, before you bring out the evilometer, you mm. call it evil meter, but I like evilometer. Mm. I do want to give a shout out because I really thoroughly enjoyed. There's a really fun uh, podcast called The Poisoner's Cabinet, and they're called The Poisoner's Cabinet because they talk about. Uh, like vintage tales of terror and, and and horror like this. Also, while having a cocktail of the day on their podcast, oh. uh, shout out to Prash's Murder Map podcast. He, I guess, he goes around <laughs> London and talks about a murder. Uh, there's a Curious World. It's called Curious World page on YouTube. I watched a three part documentary about all this. So there's way more info out there that you can get. And then also, of course, Wikipedia and a, and a funny website called Murderpedia.org. All right. Wow. So I don't know. I know we don't ever credit anyone, but I really enjoyed these podcasts and YouTube pages. So I just wanted to give them a shout out. No, that's cool. Pay it forward. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, gentlemen, it's that time of the podcast. People at home already know what I'm talking about, no doubt. It's time for me to open the cabinet here and pull out the evilometer. Let me just... Open up the cabinet, uh, and now I'm just going to wheel it in. Oh, my God, it's so heavy. Here we are. Uh, so um, every episode, we take a look at what the evil man did and give him an evil ranking from zero to ten. Ten being the worst. Um, Chris, do you want to go first? What do you, what's your evil ranking on this John Williams man? Oh, God, the fake halloween decoration ghost just blew by the window again <laughs> it's so stupid i don't even what think do you give the are... ghost first of all on the evilometer i give the ghost a two because it's kind of fun but every now and then it still gives you a little fright yeah but i i genuinely i have a five and a three-year-old daughter and i don't think they're as afraid of this ghost <laughs> as i am <laughs> so i don't know i i I like I said I have my theory that it could have been the team of these like mm. uh belligerent violent uh, uh psychotic sailors working together probably yeah. two fouled uh, uh uh robbery attempts on these these Ugh. households so I don't know but John Williams in particular I mean he seemed pretty shady from other stuff I read I I, I guess I don't know. I don't know if it's John Williams. I don't know if it's Constable Hart. I don't know if it's uh, the other guy. What did I say? Um, Yeah. I would say, fuck, this is a hard one. I would say out of the three of them, oh, yeah, the other guy's called Ablas, William Ablas. I would say, God, I would say fucking 7.5. Ooh. All right. I like that. And I'll tell you why, because I think they're bastards. I think they're evil. I think they're psychotic. One of them, or whoever it was, killed a fucking, you know, um, uh, Mike's mall shishi. Yeah. Um, so they're up there. Yeah, that was think, really unnecessary. That takes it up a, a few, several notches. Yeah. But I also think they could be drunk morons doing a really botched burglary, which, mm. is, which is also just more stupid. But, you know, they're evil. Yeah, like the Wet Bandits in Home Alone, but a slightly darker version. <laughs> yeah, imagine the Wet Bandits bashed Macaulay Culkin's brain in all over that beautiful suburban yeah. Chicago house. 
<laughs> they <laughs> slipped Stern on a micro machine and were like, oh, you're going to fucking pay. <laughs> no, I guess it's Joe Pesci. He's like, what the fuck? You make me slip on a fucking micro machine? I'm going to bash your fucking brains in, Kevin. Oh, I got to say, too, the JP initials on the mall were like, uh, there was a sailor friend who was out at sea who left them in the pair house. So the, his bag of ah, tools was in the house Further incriminating where, the other two guys. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, see. it was okay, in the house okay. where John William was boarding. Yeah. Hmm. Nah. That was a cool... Sorry, yeah. Guys. No, no. Um, For me, for the evil meter, uh, I'm going to say, I guess, yeah, like you said, Chris, it, it seems like it could have been these three psychomaniacs uh, working in league together doing this stuff. Um, I'm also very impressed that uh, John Williams uh, put up virtually no fight and immediately, as soon as he was arrested, just killed himself without trying to <laughs> trying to defend himself yeah. whatsoever. That's the thing. He had evidence piled up against him, but it was still shoddy. These yeah. are weird times. So was he just basically arrested because he fit the, the height profile and he was a, uh, had a reputation? Uh, Could have been anti-Irish say- sentiment, too. I can say we have to make an example of, uh, <laughs> of of criminality to keep the general public from uh, you know just you know falling into chaos. So I'm going to say he was a nine. Nine. That's wow. That's Mike. good. Yeah. Always with the curveballs. We have to make an example of a bad <laughs> apple, whether he did it or not. You know. Oh my God. Right. He was constantly <laughs> brawling and getting blood all over his clothes. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm actually going to be pretty close to Chris. I'm going to give him a 7.9, only because you got to leave some room. Mm. Uh, the the Moshishi thing definitely, arguably, could make it higher. But because of the fact it could have been one of the other two guys who did that, and it's all a little unclear, I'll give him a 7.9. All right. Yeah. yeah, and I I feel bad now that I gave it so low, seven point five. But I'm trying no. to be more like you now, James. I I am I'm not trying to be silly anymore. I'm going to try and be a bit more uh, honest and reasonable about the evilometer. Yeah. Absolutely. But now I I'm like get getting this this these this murderers of families. I'm, they're getting off pretty easy. Maybe I'm a softy. I don't know. Fuck. And we can't have that kind of stuff <laughs> going on. You know, we just can't. <laughs> oh. Well, I am sufficiently spooked for Halloween from the tale of the Radcliffe murders and uh, and John Williams. Good. I love hearing that because I know that the Freddy Krueger one with Aaron Reed was so awesome and such a nice pre-Halloween treat, but I really wanted this one to be creepy. It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great job, Chris. Very interesting. And uh, great job to you too, Mike. Thanks. Great job to you, uh, to you as well, James. I know you're fighting a bug of some oh, sort and you, you really soldiered on. I did. I did. I revved myself up. I had three teas before we recorded. Whoa. Um, so I'm going to go One, lie down now. Two, but three right. teas. Well, that was a really fun and another great time. Thanks for tuning in to an, another episode of Evil This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.